Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence in our midst. And thank you because you are the Lord who, sends, who always send your word to heal us, oh God. Father, even today, in the name of Jesus Christ, we open up our hearts unto you, Lord, and we ask of your Holy Spirit to come and speak to us, O God. It's you, O God, who can touch the deepest parts of our hearts. It's you, Lord, who can bring us your desired end, O Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord, let the power that comes with your word, O God, let it impact our hearts, O God. We give you the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can get seated. I just want to thank God for this time. And I bless you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And yeah, my name's I'm called Jess Nantongo, and I'm from Uganda. And I work with World Trump Mission as the International Prayer Coordinator. And so far, I've been here in US for two months and a half, and uh, when I came, I spent like one week and some days in Orlando, and then I went to Baltimore for three weeks, and then I was in Chicago for one month, and then I come back here. But in all, I want to thank God for his grace and uh, the work that he's doing among his people, and the way he is awakening and rising up the church for his purposes because we know that we are in the times whereby God is at work and the Spirit of God is moving. Despite of what we are seeing, but we see that the Lord is at work. And he just wants us, as the children of God, really to open up our eyes and to look at him and to watch him, what he's doing, so that we can position ourselves so that he can use us all so that we can work with him. Amen. And when we talk about prayer, I always tell people that I know that man cannot rise up to seek God unless God seeks him. He's the one who first seeks us and then we respond back. He puts that hunger and desire and thirst in our hearts to long for him, to long for more of his presence. And he's the one who puts it there. And when we realize that he has put such hunger in our hearts, then we rise up and we begin to reach out to him. Because whatever we are longing for, and that sometimes we don't know how to express it with our own words, he has it. And when we respond to his calling and we draw closer to him, he imparts what is in his heart in our hearts. Because he is the fullness of everything. And whatever we desire, it is in his hands. And I always say that it's just a pleasure and it's a blessing for us as the children of God to serve at the king's table. Because I take prayer as serving before the king's table. Because when you have been selected, that you are the one who is going to serve at the king's table. Yeah, you can think about yourself that, yeah, I'm big. 
I'm important, that among all people, I'm the one who is next to the king. I'm the one who is serving at the king's table. And when you are at the king's table, your eyes are not looking at other things, but you watch what your king wants. And if he is seated there, you will also be there. But your eyes will watch him. What does he need? What is he communicating? Maybe he's not speaking, but you can have that ability of reading what his heart is on. And if you are there, it means that at any time, at any moment, the king will call upon you that, hey, this is what I need. Oh, I want you to send you to this place. I want you to do A, B, C, D. Because you are there and you are watching him and uh, that is your position, you will obey and you will go and do what he has sent you to do. And if you go there, he doesn't expect you to remain there. But he expects you to come back to your place. In your place of watching, in your place of waiting, in your place of submission, in your place of surrender, in your place of total obedience. It's a privilege to serve at the king's table. And whenever God wants to do something, he will always prompt the hearts of the people to begin to seek him. Even as I said earlier on that he puts that hunger and thirst in our hearts. But many times we can feel that and we don't respond positively to what he has impacted or put in our hearts. Well, at times we can speak about it that, okay, I feel that desire, I feel the hunger, I feel the thirst to seek the Lord, to be in prayer. But sometimes we are being distracted by so many things and we keep on postponing and say, okay, I'll, I'll, and when I'm free, I'll come and pray. But not knowing that at that particular time, that's when the king wanted you to send you. But now you are saying to the king that, hey, I'm still busy. Hold on, I'll come at my own time. And then even during that time, then the king will begin to regret and will look for another person. That, okay, if you are too busy for me, I'll look for someone else to send. So we do a lot to frustrate the prompting or the calling of the Lord, which he puts in our hearts to draw closer to him, to be with him, to stay in his presence. And by the time we think that we will come at our own time, he is not there. Let us open in the book of songs. The book of Songs, chapter 5. 
And we are starting from verse 2. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew and my hair with the dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? My lover thrusts his hand through the large opening. My heart began to pound for him. I rose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with mar, my fingers with flowing mar. On the handles of the lock, I opened for my lover, but my lover had left. He was gone. My heart sank and at his departure. I looked for him, but I did not find him. I called him out. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen phoned me as they made their rounds in the city. They bet me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. All out of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him that, tell him I'm faint with love. And here we see that, I even as it has begun that by saying that I slept and my heart was awake. That listen, my lover is knocking. Many times we hear that knock on our hearts. When our lover is knocking and is calling us to come away with him. And you say, yeah, I hear that knocking. I hear, I can feel that prompting. Yeah, I sense that special touch. I sense the presence of God around me. And even as it happened here, I say that he started giving excuses. Then my head is drenched with dew, my, fair, my hair with dampness of the night, that I've taken off my robe, must I put it on again? That normally happens unto us, that, okay, I'm still busy. I'm still occupied with this and that. Now let me first finish what I'm doing. I will come. But by the time you think of coming, you'll find that even as it was written here that I opened for my lover, but my lover had left and he was gone and my heart sank at his departure. By the time you think of opening the door or by the time of you think of coming to pray, it's as if the grace, the presence of the Lord has lifted and now you begin to struggle in your human strength. You begin to speak words and it happens as if words are just hitting the wall and they just come back to you. And you try or whatever you know that can make you to connect with the heart of God and you fail. You can bring out songs and say, okay, I'll sing this song because it normally touches my heart. And you can sing that song and you don't feel any melting of the heart. Because by the time your lover came and knocked at your door, you gave excuses. 
and you thought that you'll come at your own time. But when he touches our hearts, there is a purpose why. When he quickens our hearts to pray, there is a reason why. He wants you to come, not because you have problems or not because you have programmed your mind, but he knows what he wants to do. Maybe when you obey and you come in the place of prayer and say, my king, I've heard your call and I've come. What do you want me to do? What is on your heart? Where do you want me to send me? I'm, I'm available. I open up my heart unto you. So he will impart and he will put the burden that is on his heart on your heart. And maybe he will put a prayer concerning other people. And that's what he wanted you to do. And maybe after 15 minutes, you feel that you have done what the master wanted you to do. And in your heart, you will feel satisfied and you feel peace. And I always take the place of prayer as I go into my office and I know that I have a boss over me. And when I report in the office, I can ask my boss that, what am I supposed to do today? So that I know how I'm going to spend my time. And always when I go before the Lord, I ask the Lord, the Lord, I've come. Not because I have many things that are pressurizing my life, but I want to serve before you. That what is on your heart, I'm available. What is the burden on your heart, I will carry it. And I open up my heart unto him and wait in his presence. And whatever he puts on my heart, that's what I will carry. And through it all, after doing all that, I feel that my heart is satisfied. And I've come to learn and to know one thing, that my God is not a cheat. He cannot cheat me. That if I do what he wants me to do, I know that he will take care of whatever I can't do by myself. Amen. And if you are being employed in the office, your heart's desire will always be one, to please your master. And if you please your master at the end, you will wait for the reward or for the pay. Your heart or your focus will not be so much on your problems because you are employed. And the master expects you to do all your best in the position where he has positioned you. But if you are a lazy worker, he can say that you have spent most of your time sleeping. So you will get half of your reward or your pay. Because you never worked for the hours you are supposed to work. So here we are as the children of God. At times we can do what we know that this is the, what the Lord wants us to do. 
And at times we are so lazy and we love to sleep and to do our own things. And we expect to see the greatness of God, the power of God, the move of God, the revival of God, whatever we expect from him. But here, as the people are down on earth, he looks at us and he sees us that many times we are lazy. And we love to sleep more than even working or serving him. And at the end, we expect so much. God is always faithful to those who are faithful. He will be faithful to you as long as you are faithful to him. And if in your heart you desire to please him, he will also prove himself to be faithful to you. And if in your heart and your focus is on to please the heart of the Father, he will give you rest on all sides. Because he will be the one taking care of you. And there are so many things that we do that hinders us even to pray. And many people don't pray because sometimes they are ignorant of what to pray for. Others are contented. They think they don't need prayer. They have everything they need, so there is no reason why they will, they will wear themselves out in praying unceasingly. And others just neglect their spiritual lives and they fail to pray. And others are being blinded to the truth and the power and the importance that is in prayer. And they choose not to pray. And others, they are being, um, they don't have the revelation of what it means to be before the Lord. Because there is no higher calling than that of being or kneeling before the Lord. Because all other ministries we can run about with, some ministries are just man to man. But when we come in the place of prayer, we, we are ministering unto our God. And it's a ministry that deals with the throne of God direct. And everything, oh, that is the beginning point of ministry and every good minister to be in the place of prayer. That's why I say that there is no any other higher calling than that to bow down before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And uh, if we don't recognize the things that hinders us to pray. Many times, 
our prayer lives go on dwindling or running dry. When we neglect our spiritual lives, the way we spend our time and what takes most of our time and what consumes our hearts, and many times we can lose the heart of prayer. And when we are contented, we will not move. Because a person, let me bring it like this, that when you eat food and feel that you are satisfied and even you have no breathing space, what comes next? Either you will love to go and sleep, and when you go to sleep, you are going to begin to snore because you have no breathing space, you are full. So when we got contented with whatever fills us up, we just lie back and say, hey, my soul, just rejoice because you have everything. So it's like you don't need God. There is nothing you need from him because now you think that prayer stops on just receiving or getting just tangible things. And that's where I think that prayer stops. But that's not the beginning point of prayer. And we see that prayer was designed by God for some purposes. And one of the purposes is fellowship with him and communion with him. Before we think of receiving or twisting his hand and say, Lord, you have to give me this. You have to give me this. You have to give me this. And you twist his hand. That's not the beginning point of prayer. But having fellowship with him. Even as it was written that Enoch walked with the Lord and he was no more. That all his life, he, get lo he got lost in the presence of God. His heart, his mind, that he walked with the Lord and he was no more. And just think about that, walking with the Lord. Is it about Moving, moving from where you are seated and you say, okay, now I'm walking with the Lord. Because many of us here, we do walk. And we walk singing and say, oh, I'm walking with the Lord. But many times you can say, okay, but my, even though I'm saying I'm walking, but my heart sometimes gets diverted and is far away from God. But Enoch that walked with the Lord and was no more. And I believe that also in the place of prayer, he wants our hearts to remain in tune and direct communication with him. So that there is nothing that separates us from God. But don't we have things that do separate us from God? Don't we have things that come and captivate or take the place in our hearts, which would have been for God. And instead of worshiping the Lord in spirit and truth, we have other things that we worship and which we take as idols, the things that we treasure more than treasuring God. But Enoch walked with the Lord. And I love to walk with the Lord. I want to get lost in him. I want all my heart and my life to be in him. But I found a problem or a struggle 
that there are things that always pull me out of that place. Maybe you, you are okay. And I just praise the Lord for you. Amen. <laughs> there is nothing that pulls you out. But you pray for me so that the things that pull me back will release me that I may walk with the Lord as Enk walked with the Lord. And that takes us to a point really to check and see what kind of hooks and ropes that pull us away from walking with the Lord. Could it be that we can be walking with the Lord, but with our spiritual eyes, oh, we are being attracted by some other things more than being attracted to the Lord? Even as I began by saying that if you are called upon to serve at the king's table, you are attracted to him. You are attracted to him and you love to stay there and to watch him. But even as we are walking with the Lord, many times our focus is so much on other things. Sometimes our focus is on us. What we need, what we want, we worship ourselves, we praise ourselves, we lift ourselves, and we lose sight of the glory of God. And we gain sight of our glory. And if we bring that also in a place of prayer, we begin to pray. But sometimes, because we know what we want before the Lord, yes, we can pour out our hearts before the Lord. And after pouring whatever we know, we are aware that there is another part which we don't know. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to quicken us, to reveal unto us that, that which we don't know. And we begin praying when we are still battling with thoughts, with confusion, with all the clamor in our minds. And that's why you find that even in the time of prayer, you can be praying and speaking tongues and you see your friend and say, hey, hi, how are you doing? Okay, and, and you, you go back. So you keep in, peeping in and out. And say, oh, today the prayer was so wonderful. And maybe you pray and you pray. You Maybe you are putting on a shoe. You look at your shoe. Oh, I think everybody's seeing my shoe. Okay. And then you continue to talk to the Lord. So with that kind of mess and confusion, you are not praying, but you are just speaking. And you haven't connected with the Lord, but the focus is still on you. And what even other people are thinking about you, are seeing you, and how do they hear my voice? But not until in our prayers we bypass all that. And we begin to concentrate before the Lord. You can spend almost even one hour when you are still in and out. And then that's the time whereby you find yourself that in time of prayer, you are just repeating yourself. You repent, you cast the devils, then you pray, oh, Lord bless America. And then you come back and then, oh, my grandchildren. And then it's like you are running around the football pitch. But you are looking for the goal where to shoot, but you haven't seen it. And that's why 
in the time of prayer, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to concentrate in the presence of God. Because he is the one who can connect our hearts with his heart. Even every step, every moment in the place of prayer is a moment of surrender. Because we go on surrendering our will, we surrender our mind, we surrender everything that is within us, and not until we change the way we pray and we begin to desire for him. Because here you can bump into the presence of the Lord and you speak all your problems and you advise God, you counsel him and say, this is how you can fix it. And he can ask you, if you know how to fix it, why don't you fix it yourself? <laughs> and not until you say, okay, now I know that he is the one who is over everything. And not until we bypass that area. Sometimes we haven't begun praying the prayer that touches the heart of God. And is, does it mean that he doesn't want us to pray for our problems? No. He says that cast your burdens unto me and I will sustain you. That ask and you will receive. So the beginning point of prayer that even before we bring all our problems, we need to secure a place of acceptancy before the Lord. Recognizing him that he is the Lord who owns everything that we need. And coming before him with humble hearts. And everything that is within us to bow down before him. Even before you have spoken a single word. And everything within us, what even you don't see with your eyes, you know that in you, there are organs, there are body parts and whatever. But whatever is within us has to come and bow down before the Lord. And recognizing him that he is the Lord. And that's where we begin to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because our eyes have been opened, or now we have received the revelation of who he is and what he has in him. And whatever he has in him, that's what we are longing for. That's what we desire. So we come with humble hearts, knowing that there is nothing that we can fix by ourselves, but we choose to depend on him. When we come in the place of prayer, it's like saying that, Lord, I depend on you entirely. And Lord, I choose to put my trust in you. And Lord, I know that you are the one who is going to make a way where there is no way. That I surrender myself unto you. I surrender my will unto your will. I surrender all my strength unto you. Because many times we know that as human beings, when we pressurized, we can rise up and say, okay, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to fight for myself. But when we come in the place of prayer, it's like saying that, Lord, I'm defeated. I've tried everything, but it doesn't work. 
But now I've come to you and I surrender to you and I, I choose to depend on you and I know that you are the one who is going to take me through out all this. It's like coming in the place of prayer. You are laying down your nets. Even as Jesus Christ, when he met the disciples by the seashore and told them that follow me, he found them when they had their nets and they were fishing. Maybe they had toiled all night through. They were just said that was their lifestyle. And when he met them, and told them that follow me. And the word which he spoke had power to make them put down their nets. And they began to follow the Lord. When we come in prayer, it's like saying that, Lord, I put down all my nets. And now I choose to follow you. With all my heart. That's why I said I prayer. Is not about or stopping on problems or telling him what we need. But prayer is more than that. And I'm still in the school of prayer. Maybe even as you were. But in prayer, it's like we have come the Lord, I want to walk in your ways. I want to see the way that you have mapped for me that I may walk in your way. The Lord lead me and I will follow you. When we come in the place of prayer, before even you speak in word, it's like I come to submit under my master, under his authority that lead me, I'll follow you. Whatever I've tried, which has not worked out, I choose to put it aside that I may walk with you. And also, we see that prayer was designed by God as a weapon against the enemy. That's the weapon we can take to resist and to fight against the enemy. That's why in the Bible, in the scriptures, he saw it was written that watch and pray. And some places could say that pray so that you may not fall into temptation. Because temptation is always come. Yeah, the enemy always come to attack us. But he gave us the weapon of prayer. If we can use it with the understanding and with the revelation and knowing the power that is in prayer, we can be victorious. And if, let me say, if there wasn't an enemy, maybe we wouldn't have put ourselves in the position of prayer. But because we have an enemy, then we have to pray persistently. We have to pray unceasingly. We have to keep watch. We have to apply that weapon of prayer so that we can overcome the enemy. Because 
the enemy knows that there is power in prayer. And he always rises up with fury, even in the moments and when there's time for prayer. And that's why he can allow you to do so many things and he will hinder you to pray. In the moment of prayer, that's when sleep comes. But in the moment of watching, maybe the TV, you don't sleep. Why? Because the enemy knows the secret that is in prayer. Maybe of which we don't know in its fullness. But the enemy knows. That's why he pulls out his potent, powerful weapons against prayers. Against people who choose to stand in the place of prayer. And that's why when we know that there is power in prayer and it's the weapon that God gave us, then when we know that when we come in the place of prayer, we have to be well guarded. We have to use that weapon with skillfulness so that we may overcome all his wise or schemes. And if we are aware even how the enemy comes and attacks us in the time of prayer. Then we are going to pick up our weapons. And it's not only prayer alone, but we need the word of God in us as a weapon. Let me say, if the enemy attacks you and you run into your house, but you know that in your house you don't have any kind of weapon kept in your house. Even if you run in it, there is nothing that you are going to pick because there is nothing. And even if you come out and you bring out your chest so broad and say, hey, I've come against you. When you have no weapon, when your enemy has got weapons, then you are wasting your time. He says that there is nothing you have that can threaten me. That's the same way that if there is nothing in us, if the word of God does not have room in us, we are like a gun that has no bullets. So we can walk, we can walk boastfully, we can walk in pride, but the enemy sees that inside of us we are empty. We are like an empty tin and says, I can manage you. Because I can see what is in you. Even you have what belongs to me in you. That there's nothing that can threaten you, threaten me. So that's why as children of God, we need to equip ourselves with the word of God to fill ourselves with the word of God because that's the weapon also we have to use. Because our God watches or looks upon his word to fulfill it. He will always fulfill his promises. And if our prayers are empty without the word of God, many times we pray from our minds. But not from the word of God. But when the word of God is the foundation in our hearts, then there's going to be that deepened prayer in us. 
It's like that you open up your storehouse and know that there are enough weapons you have to use against the enemy. Even in your prayers, because when we position ourselves in the place of prayer, it's like that you are opening up for battlefield. You are praying, maybe you are worshiping, maybe you are interceding, you are praying for the nation or the community, but even the enemy is watching, distracting your mind, maybe he can bring sleep, or he can confuse you, or you can feel even that now you are like totally cut off. You have been praying and feel that, oh, I've connected into the heart of God, I've connected in the presence of God. After five minutes, you feel as if something came and blocked the way, and you are cut off. And say, hey, I've been flowing. I've been enjoying the presence of God. What has happened? But when the enemy has also risen up and picked his weapons and say, I'm going to hinder you not to pray. That you not progress. You not press through. You not get a breakthrough. That's why I feel that something comes and covers us and cuts you off, of which you cannot explain. But you can sense that something has happened. And if anybody asks you that what has happened, you can't explain. Because you don't see it. Because now we are battling, we are praying, we are pressing on, but there are evil spirits. The enemy also releases his spirits to come and hinder us, not to pray. That's, we, that's why we feel that blockage and that being cut off and when we sense that that's when now okay we have to check what weapons am i going to use because i have to stay connected i have to stay receiving from him i have to stay in his presence i have to stay enjoying the sweetness and the flow of the holy spirit but whatever has blocked my way i need now to first deal with it that's when you rise up in warfare and begin to wage warfare against any hindrance, any resistance, any barrier, any blockage which the enemy has put in the spiritual realm. And so you look in your source, what weapons are you going to use? Are you fully equipped with the word of God? Do you understand the power that is in the blood of Jesus Christ? What weapons are you going to use against such kind of blockage? We all find such resistances. So that's why as a people who want to see a breakthrough in prayer, we need to be fully equipped. That's why I said that prayer is also designed as a weapon against the enemy. And we see that Prayer brings glory to God. In all the kinds of prayers that we can pray, God deserves all the glory. Because when we pray, we expect God to work. And when he works, and we have testimonies, then God receives all the glory. Because it's not about us, but it is about him. And when we pray and he intervenes in the affairs of man, and we see God working, it brings us to the place 
of humbling ourselves even the more. But now here we are. We pray and we see God working and we see miracles. We get testimonies. But what comes in us as human beings, sometimes pride comes. And say, hey, I prayed so much. And God came. Now you prayed so much, it's like that in my strength, in my human effort, I prayed it and it happened. But realize it's not about your strength, but it's about him. And whenever we see God at work, when he breaks through in your life and gives you answers to your prayers, he wants our hearts to stay humble and to stay recognizing him that he is the Lord and whenever you feel in your heart like that kind of pride it might rise up not in a high degree but even as you are sharing with other people that you know I was going through this and I prayed and the Lord answered my prayers. So watch over what is going on within your heart and within your mind. If you feel like wanting to exaggerate and to prove to the one that you are speaking to that, okay, I'm powerful. I prayed. I'm a prayer warrior and all that kind of stuff. If such is, begins to run in your mind, it's high time to repent. And say the Lord... Forgive me because it's like I'm taking the glory for myself. The glory which would have been yours, I'm taking it for myself. Now wanting to prove to the one I'm speaking to that with my strength I did it. But all prayers have to bring glory unto God. And we see that through prayer, God gives us the strength to go through hard times. We receive that strength to go through hard times. Even that is in Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse, okay, we can read from 39. Jesus went out as usual on the mountain of olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. You know my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And here we see that even as Jesus was full of anguish in the time he was feeling that he was in pain as he was heading to be crucified, 
the Bible says that he prayed earnestly that even God sent an angel to come and strengthen him. Through prayer, we receive strength to go through hard times. And many times, God is so wise and so smart that he allows pressures and trials and so many things to come our way because he wants to get our attention. And when he gets our attention and he says, okay, I have to pray, I have to seek the Lord, I have to grow closer to him. And even during that time, he is working deeply within our hearts. He is strengthening us so that even when more hard times comes, we will be able to stand. But he might just use just something simple or whatever we can call that is big. I cannot manage. But God uses that so that he can get our attention. And when we come to him, he begins to prepare us. He begins to equip us so that when other things do come, we'll be fully equipped. Because for him, he sees what is coming ahead of us. And we are not aware of it. And in order to get our attention, he will come and, oh, he will allow certain things to come our way so that he can get our attention. And when we come to him, he says that, welcome. And then he begins to equip you. So by the time the other stuff comes, you are already equipped. You can stand. It can be a storm, but you can prevail through. You can go through. So through prayer, we receive strength. And also, we see that through prayer, we get tangible results. When God begins to move, or when he wants to do something, I mentioned that when I was beginning, that God prompts his people to begin to pray. When God wants to move in a nation, he will quicken the hearts of the believers or the church to begin to pray. And now they feel that hunger and that thirst and that desire to pray, but not knowing in fullness what God wants to do. But as they persist, as they press on, as they draw closer to God, it paves a way, it prepares a way for the Lord to pour down his Holy Spirit. But if the church does not recognize such moments and seasons of the Lord's working, we can fail or we can miss what the Lord wants to do. And if we know that we are in the times whereby God wants to pour down his Holy Spirit, it's high time to position ourselves and seek him uh, tirelessly and persist in his presence so that we can open the way. We can create the way for the Lord to pour down his Holy Spirit. And that's why I say that when we are praying, many times we wake warfare, we are fighting against unseen forces, and through all that, we are preparing the way for the Lord to come and intervene, for the Lord to come and work. We are praying in this community so that there will be that open heavens for the Lord to come and save his people, so that the blind eyes will be opened. 
And in our prayers, we are pushing back every form of darkness. We are releasing ourselves. We are saying that, and no, I will not stay under the canopy of darkness. I release myself. I want to be free. I will not allow slumber to take over my life. I will not allow my eyes to be blindfolded by the systems of the world. So I release myself. You do all that in prayer so that you can be free and prepare a way and raise up a standard even for the others to be able to see the way. So we do all that in prayer and preparing the way. And through prayer, we prepare a way for the next generation. And without prayer, there is no way or there will not be any platform prepared for the next generation. And I was so touched when our young brother prayed for the youth. That when we have like people like that, and they have the heart for the next generation, we know that we're sure that we'll have a generation that fears God. Because through prayer, we go through and pull out and pick out the stones. Even as Isaiah 62, 10 says, I go through, go through the gates, pick up stones and prepare a way for the people. Raise up, and I will raise up a banner for the people. So all the prayers we're praying, there is no stop on you, but you are preparing for the next generation. The people who are behind you, there are certain things which you have not even done. Maybe even the time passed without doing them. But now, in prayer, even as you are praying for your children, you say that, Lord, whatever I miss to do in my timing, Lord, let not my children miss it. Or even because we see in the Bible that even used to pass on the blessing from the father to the next generation. So we are preparing the way for the next generation for our children. And whatever decision we make now will contribute so much to the next generation that is coming. If we want to see this nation in the next years or so many years to come, to see that it's a nation or it has a generation that fears God, we have to prepare now. And I know even us who are on this, in this time, there are people way back who prepared the way. So that now we have that opportunity of knowing the Lord. Maybe our great-great-fathers, grandfathers, and all that candle, they prepare the way. The same way you have to prepare the way. So prayer does not stop on you. But when you pray with that understanding that I'm here to prepare the way for the kingdom of God to be a sub-rich in our land, in our community, and for the next generation. So I have to pray with the wisdom. And I have to surrender myself in the time of prayer. And I know that I come before the Lord to serve before my master. And praying the Lord, let your will be done. As it is in heaven, let it be done here on earth. Connecting my heart, aligning my heart into the purposes of God. Because we want to see God visiting our nations, visiting our community, and visiting our churches, visiting our homes. But you are a weapon which is in the hands of God. 
that he is going to use. And the beginning point of it is in the place of prayer so that he can send us out. He can sharpen us. He can anoint us. And he can send us out to fulfill his purposes. And lastly, the scripture is in First John. First John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we have asked of him. That this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, then we know that he will hear us. If we ask anything according to his will, what he desires to see happening, what he wants to do in our days. If we position ourselves and we pray according to his will, then we'll have this confidence that he is going to answer us. And do we see what the Lord wants to do in our days? Do we understand what the Lord wants to accomplish in our generation? Oh, we don't see it. But if we see what he wants to do and we position ourselves and we say that, Lord, now we see the times we are in. We see that the end is about to come. That, Lord, we see that you want to pour down your Holy Spirit. The Lord will see that you want to find a church that is prepared, that is ready for you. The Lord will pray that let your will be done. We pray that may you prepare us. We pray that may you pour down your Holy Spirit. Now we are praying according to the will of God. We are praying the heart of God. And I believe that the church, the existence of the church in the earth is not only to preach the gospel, but to pray the will of God down. We can preach and we preach our heads off. But the responsibility we have as the church is to pray for the will of God to come. Because he has got work to do. So it's high time always to important, it's important to keep our hearts connected with the heart of God so that we can know what his will is and then we pray alike. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you.